Welcome everyone to week five of the Left Coasters podcast. My name is Tony Cavallo and I'm flanked by Matthew D'Angelo Antonio and we are here ready to break down the week in the NFL and uh, have you guys follow us on our journey, the ever long journey to become Los Angeles Rams fans. And I'm for one, very happy to be back. I was in Tennessee. I realized two things when I was in Tennessee. One, I despise with all of my being camping. I'm not a camper. I will never do it again. Wait, you were so. Wait, but, but, but hold on now. For our, for our, the sake of our listeners, Tony Tony was in Nashville last week for a work uh, thing and non podcast non podcast related. If you could tell, thing. this is not my job. Now, normally when I think work things, I'm like, okay, I'm put up in a hotel, right? Like you, you know, you probably and you were in Nashville. I would think maybe a nice Sheraton or a or a Hyatt in downtown you know, uh, the, Nashville, the, the Tennessee. First, the first night we were in Nashville, we stayed at an extended stay America, and I will never stay in extended. Stay America again. Oh, I could have told you that was going to be a mistake. It was the worst hotel in my life. Never again. And you know what? My room was next to the housekeeping room. I don't know how they missed it, but they missed my room. Either way, the the most of my week was spent on a fairgrounds just outside of Nashville, Tennessee. And uh, I was camping the whole week on this farmer's grounds. And the farmer was very nice. His daughter was much nicer. And uh, yeah, that was my time in Tennessee. The other thing I learned is I'm terrible at riding a bike. I can't do it. I've forgotten but how to they ride say, a bike. But they say once you learn how to ride a bike, you never forget. There's Apparently, a whole saying surrounding that. The last day I was in Tennessee, me and my buddy Matt Coleman, we rented bikes to drive ride around Nashville, and <laughs> we didn't make it too far. It how far bad. would you say you got? I mean, about half a mile. Oh, man. It was terrible. It was very I went bad. for a mile and a half walk today with my dog and girlfriend. <laughs> like, that's farther. I went farther today, and that's our normal walk on route that feet. you, on my two feet, than you got on a bike. It was terrible. I'm not a biker. I'm not a camper. That's Clearly. okay. What I am is I'm a football fan, and I was a fan this week. I was here, back here on Sunday, ready to sit down and watch all the football I can. Thank you again for Thomas Jones, Wortham, and Troy for hosting me. And uh, we had a great time watching football. And a lot of fun stuff happened this week. We had the Browns somehow losing a game because of a terribly, it. terribly uh, call uh, called. I suppose play at the end of the game um, just an incredible showing on Monday night I thought from the Minnesota Vikings I mean if you weren't sold on them before I think you should be now not only I mean well the defense has been the defense has been what really has sold me on them and and the fact that they've played three now four very good quarterbacks including Cam Newton, including Aaron Rodgers, including Eli Manning last week, and, and beaten they've them beaten them all very soundly. They've beaten them up. And let's start right there, Dangles. We have three, at week four, we have three undefeated teams left in the NFL. The Philadelphia Eagles at 3-0, and Minnesota Vikings, and Denver Broncos at 4-0. and So let's go back to our favorite question here with the Left Coasters podcast. Ooh, I love this. Marry, fuck, kill the undefeated teams, Minnesota, Denver, and Philly. You know, I actually, I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna take it in that order. I'm gonna marry the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, if that, like I said, last week's performance sold sold me on it. Uh, the secondary had an incredible game. Um, I mean, I can, cannot continue to say enough about uh, about Anderson Deho, about Harrison Smith, about um, about Xavier Rhodes, who who uh, who is an incredible incredible cornerback out of Florida State. Um, they had uh, Trey Wayne's. You know, has had some great interceptions. He's 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 prone 
prone to silly penalties, and that's the one thing that that they have to be careful of. Um, but outside of that, I mean, they've just been putting pressure on quarterbacks in an incredible way over the last couple of weeks. So I'm going to marry the Minnesota Vikings. Um, and not, I mean, let's not even get started about the offense. Sam Bradford doing a lot with very little weapon wise, and credit to that offensive line too. I think they've done an incredible job of protecting Bradford and giving him the ability to be confident in the pocket, to step up and make the throws across the field, over the middle of the field, to make the long throws that he needs to make. Yeah, he hasn't been touched. No, he really hasn't. Uh, so, so I'm going to marry the Minnesota Vikings. I'm going to, uh, uh, and I'm going to fuck the uh, Denver Broncos. Okay. You know, going off of what Brian has been saying about Trevor Simeon over the last several weeks, he's really coming into his own as a quarterback. Um, he's learning how to utilize his targets. Emmanuel Sanders has become a much bigger part of that offense since the start of the season. And Demarius Thomas woke up this Demarius week. Demarius Thomas woke up this week. The running game has been a little bit more quiet, but I think that's because Trevor Simeon's been coming into his own as a passer and really starting to be comfortable throwing to his guys and just, you know, you go out there week after week, you keep throwing to these guys in practice and eventually you're going to develop a rhythm with them. So I'm going to marry the, I'm sorry, I'm going to fuck the Denver Broncos and that leaves the Philadelphia Eagles. And this is a really tough, this is a really tough three teams I think to look at because they're all very good I think the Philadelphia Eagles defense is probably the weakest out of the three teams oh, absolutely. Um, I, I think they have the most upside at quarterback uh, with Carson Wentz because he's young because he's still malleable uh, because he you know he's got this just great grasp on the game and Doug Peterson has done as an ex-quarterback you have to think he's going to do a great job at molding this young kid who is just a, a, a student at the game and a tape freak but um, I think you're going to see the Eagles fall off here at some point. So I'm going to go with Philadelphia. Tony, what about you? You know, I have to say, if you had told me in the beginning of the week that a six-round pick out of Northwestern, a first-round pick ginger kid out of a Division AA school, and Sam fucking Bradford were the three undefeated quarterbacks at this point in the league, I- I'd have told you you were an idiot. At no chance were these three teams, led by these three quarterbacks, supposed to be undefeated right now. It's an insane way to say that this NFL is full of parity, and there's always a team that goes worst to first, and it's just, every season is different, every week is different, it's a wonder to be a, a fan of this league. Um, I will say that I'm marrying the Denver Broncos. Uh, mm. Super Bowl champions, you can't you can't beat that. And even with America's favorite weed dealer, Paxton Lynch, coming into play, I think they're going to be A-OK. That defense is a real deal. <clears throat> And the uh, the I'm marrying them because the AFC is flat out weaker than the NFC. I think Denver is an easier road to stay as good as they are and steal a one or two seed in the bye week, and that's all they need. Um, I'm fucking the Philadelphia Eagles because Carson Wentz. I, I've I watched him a lot over this bye week. I was catching up on a lot of their games because I haven't been able to watch them live. Carson Wentz is the real deal. That running game is okay, and that defense is better than people think and will only get better. And that team just seems fired up every week. Like, no one believes in them. They really don't, and that means a lot. Defensively, do you think they can they can hold, though? I mean, that's going to be, I think, the question. Is, you know, I, I don't think Dallas is that good this year. I know Washington is not that good, and I know New York is not that good. I think Philly says the easiest schedule out of all those teams, and I think that Philly can actually pull out a lot of these games that they need to win, and Carson is damn good. 
Um, that leaves me with the Minnesota Vikings, and I'm killing them because of one thing and one thing only. We still have yet to see Sam get pressured. We still have yet to see Sam make throws when he has to make them. It's easy to beat a team when they muff a punt on the 50-yard line and give you a short field. It's easy to beat a team when Aaron Rodgers can't complete a pass, and you're, you only have to beat them by X amount of points. They have yet to score over 30 points. That's a team. They haven't had to, though. I, I mean, uh, you know. Absolutely. But there's going to be a game when they face an Atlanta Falcons or a team that's offense is clicking, that the defense does make mistakes, and Sam needs to put points on the board. And as for the three offenses that we just mentioned, I think Minnesota has the weakest offense around them, including they can't run the ball. They still can't run the ball. Jarek McKinnon is a third down back that's asked to do everything. They can't run the ball at all. Matt Aziata, I think, had five carries for five yards at one point during the game against New York. And New York's not a good rushing defense. I think at some point that that defense is going to break at one point during the season. It may be in the playoffs, and Sam's going to have to win them a game. And I trust Carson and then the Denver offense more. I just do. Dep- well, depending on what happens uh, this weekend, we could see an undefeated matchup between the Vikings and the Eagles next weekend. Oh, they play nice. each other in. In Philadelphia. That'd be nice. Uh, not this coming weekend, but next weekend. So uh, so we very well could be looking at a, a, a matchup of two undefeated teams. And I think that may be the game where, because the Vikings have the Texans uh, this week, I think that may be where you see the, um, the, the, the Sam Bradford maybe getting, the, maybe getting a little bit pressured, but more, more so, I think, an offense that is clicking yeah. and, and Sam Bradford having to maybe go touchdown for touchdown, you know, drive for drive with the Philadelphia Eagles if Carson Wentz is able to march down but I think the matchup is going to be really interesting because Carson Wentz to this point has yet to see a defense with the pass rushing ability that the Minnesota Vikings have led by Anthony Barr their signal caller he was they were dialing up some blitz packages the other night that Mike Zimmer was I mean it was it was it was it was a masterpiece it really was how pissed off do you think the Washington Redskins are that they got the wrong Cincinnati Bengals coordinator oh they have to be furious they have to be absolutely furious and especially after last week when you lose the game the way that they did or uh, well rather you you know you you, ha- you, 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 you should you should lo- rather yes you should lose that game and you get only reason you win that game is because of a muffed fumble call dumbass referee um, so speaking of offenses that were clicking, we had one offense last week, the Atlanta Falcons, that blew up the former 15-1 and Carolina Panthers. Matt Ryan threw for over 500 yards, and Julio Jones received over 300 yards passing. Unreal how good he was. And it wasn't like they were out of the game and they were just, uh, what's the word, just buttering him up late, like just adding points on the stats. Julio Jones caught his last pass for 75 yards for a touchdown after Carolina had uh, made it a one-score game. He had a short slant pass that he caught for 10 yards and took it to the house. Beat out every safety and cornerback on that team and said, this is my game, my time, I'm going to win this game for my team. He was unreal. So I want to go back right now. Five years ago, in 2011, Atlanta Falcons were drafting number 27. Atlanta Falcons had just made a deep run in the playoffs. They thought they were one player away from making a Super Bowl run, and they traded the house to move up to number six with the Cleveland Browns and get Julio Jones at number six. So they moved up from 27 to six. Let me tell you what uh, they gave Cleveland. They gave Cleveland Browns the first, second, and fourth overall pick in 2011, and then they gave them their first and fourth in 2012. So that's two firsts, a second, and two fourths to move up 21 spots to draft a wide receiver. Now, wide receiver is not a quarterback. A quarterback is a savior of your team. A wide receiver is is a sprinkle on top. Julio Jones has proved to be much more than a sprinkle. He might be the best wide receiver in the game. Looking back on that trade, regardless of what Cleveland, how they fucked up that trade, do you agree with what uh, Atlanta did? Yes, I do. Undoubtedly? I mean, 
has it played out for them in terms of like playoff success and and I mean and the wins they've wanted to see? No, and I think that's in large part because Cam Newton and the Panthers have been such a force in the NFC South and outside of the Panthers. And, you know, the occasional Saints uprising, that division isn't very good. And Matt Ryan, though he is able to put up major numbers almost, it seems, every season, and he really has since he he started in the league, he's never been able to win when it counts, and he's never been able to win when it's big. But just in terms of this trade, I mean, you said it, a, a wide receiver is a sprinkle on top. He's not the saver of your team. Wide receiver is only as good as the quarterback that you have under center. And they had Matty Ice when they made that and trade. And they had Matty Ice when they made that trade. And that's, I think, a huge reason why they did that because they knew they needed a number one weapon for him to throw to. And Julio Jones, I think has proven that he's, 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 I mean, now that Calvin Johnson is gone, I would argue that he is the best wide receiver in the NFL. He's definitely up there. He's absolutely up there. But the thing that impresses me about Julio Jones the most is his demeanor. Uh, there have been stories upon stories of Julio Jones that a loss and a win, he's the same person in the locker room. He does not flip out the way Odell Beckham does. He, he, he attacks, Every day with his lunch pail in hand, ready to go to work. This is a job for him. It's not just a game. He comes here and he does his work and he does his. He, he does it beautifully. He if he catches one catch for ten yards versus ten catches for three hundred yards, he's the same person in the locker room, and that that makes a lot of inroads when you're trying to be a leader on that team. When you can't get frazzled, when nothing affects you, you are looked upon to lead the team as the star of that team, as the man who makes the most money on that team, and that's what Julio does. I respect him for it. I would kill to have a Julio Jones on the Green Bay Packers or the L.A. Rams. What I wouldn't kill is to have a Odell Beckham on my team. What I want to ask you, Dangle, is you come from the Patriots. The team is has had Tom Brady forever, it seems, and a team that also, uh, other than Randy Moss, has never had that starting caliber, you know, you must beat me wide receiver. When it comes to Odell Beckham and the antics he has on the side of the field, would you want Odell Beckham Jr. on your Patriots? That's a tough question. I mean, because it's really hard to argue with raw talent, and there are few wide receivers in the NFL who just who have the raw talent that Odell Beckham Jr. does. And I say that having just said that I think you know Julio Jones is the best wide receiver in the NFL. I think Odell Beckham Jr. may be the most athletically talented wide receiver in the NFL. He Can't may have that. the best hands in the NFL, but I think Julio Jones is a better overall wide receiver than he is because he's a better blocker. He's a smart smarter player he has better field vision he's more aware of where he is and when he is on the field he's a team player he, through and through he is a team player and I, as far as Odell Beckham Jr. goes I mean I would I want him it's hard to say no that I wouldn't want him on the Patriots because if there's anyone in the league who could handle a head case it's Bill Belichick very true you know Chad Ochocinco came to the Patriots for a little while and I kind of had the same reaction I'm like oh my god like you know we don't need it we don't need these kind of off the field distractions and I damn sure will tell you that Bill Belichick is not going to stand for it but Ochocinco came and even with Randy Moss a little bit because he was a diva during his career he was kind of a prima donna and could be hard to coach and despite his raw talent so I I think in that sense I mean if there's any team that I really that I would have I guess the least concern about him on it's the Patriots because okay. I think that between him and Josh McDaniels, they'd be able to integrate him in in a way that makes sense. And Belichick would tell him from the get-go, here's the deal. You are either going to play my way and you're going to act like a professional and you're going to act like a grown man who's playing a, who's doing a real person's job or you're going to ride the bench or we can find a spot for you on the practice squad because th- they can afford to do that. Yeah. 
They can afford to do that. So I think he's. I, I think Odell Beckham Jr. needs to sit down and reevaluate his thoughts on the NFL because he said this past week that he's not having fun anymore it's playing the, the game. It's the most bullshit statement I've ever heard in my life. I, I don't understand. When was the last time you, as a radio producer, had fun? Honestly, at your job. Like, I mean, your job might be fun some days, but when was the last time you were, like, waking up, oh, man, I'm going to have fun today. This is I, the best job ever. It's been a long time. Job's it's, fucking it's hard. It's been a long time. Life's fucking hard. It is. It is hard. Listen, I, I can't name you one person that hasn't complained about their job. Everyone complains about their job. Life's hard. Job's hard. You go there. You do your work. That's what you're paid to do. They're paying you $6 million signing bonus, $10 million guaranteed. Do your fucking job. It ain't that hard. You catch balls for a living. I don't care if you're not having fun. I don't care if these people get in your head and you lose a couple of games. That's life. Life's hard. If you don't have the balls to step up there and say, I got to do my job, I got to put in my work, I got to get shit done, then that's your own damn fault. Like, I mean, come on. You can't say there that I'm going to, I'm not having fun anymore, guys. Okay. Well, everyone doesn't have fun. I, I, that, that was the most, that thing right there made me say that I don't want Odell Beckham on my team. If he can't decide, I mean, I would take a thousand Terrell Owens before I would take an Odell Beckham. Both really? of them had all the talent in the world, and Terrell Owens was a diva himself, but Terrell Owens knew that when Sunday came and the clock started ticking, he went to work. If Odell Beckham's going to get so pissed off because uh, Xavier Woods touched him on the out-of-bounds route, and then he bumps into a referee and gets a 15-yard penalty and says, I'm not having fun anymore, and then doesn't catch another ball for the whole game, I don't want Odell Beckham on my team. I'm so, I don't care how talented you are. If you get that messed up in your head from the easiest little thing, you don't deserve to be on a successful team winning football. You deserve to be on the Giants, who are going to be mediocre at best. I mean, I think I think part of it is is his, is just how old he is and, and his immaturity level. He hasn't been in the league for very long, and I think you know if I don't think we'd be seeing this happening if he were say 27, 28, 29 years old and had been around for a little while. He's got and and, and in fairness, and I'm not trying to to defend what he does because I still think he's a he's a prissy you know little whiner who needs to get his shit together and stop acting like he you know he's owed something he does have a lot of scrutiny he 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 does you know he's it's in new york it's the biggest media market that there is there's more media attention there than anywhere else there's a lot of pressure to perform especially under a first year head coach you know who hasn't been who hasn't been in a head coaching position before and looks like a science teacher and who looks like a middle school science teacher that you like who the guy he's like the, the like the third like teacher down like the one you don't want everybody like everybody like wants mrs wilkinson but like you you end up with mr mcadoo and you're just oh i don't want to go to science class with mr mcadoo he's always weird uh before we move on to uh the rams uh your boy's back my boy is back Brady i'm excited comes back from the heavens you know and i th- i think teams should be scared you think so because yeah, absolutely. I think it's an everyone must He's die tour. Pissed. He's so mad. Goodell made that him and that team look very silly with all the back and forth, and I, Brady's ready to go. I'm really excited. I'm for looking Brady forward. Run. I'm looking forward to this weekend. It should be a lot of fun. We'll get to uh, we'll get to our picks later. But now uh, we uh, it's time to let's talk about the Rams. Rams. So uh, before we get into the Rams, uh, how about some? How about our weekly weird news? Weekly weird news. Weekly weird news. Starring Matt D'Angelo. Starring Antonio. Matt D'Angelo Antonio. This will be fun. So um, when you were young, Tony, what um, what toys did you count among your favorites? Like what what were what would you what would you have like lost it if your parents got rid of? You know what? I really had these uh, cool wrestling action figures that I used to play with all the time, and a little wrestling ring. 
Oh, that's awesome. Like, oh, you know, yeah. w, old WWF oh, and yeah. like they, WCW. They barely moved at the shoulders and the leg hinges, but I loved them. Loved playing with those, making matches and all that stuff. So those would probably kill me if I lost them. What about if when you were 19 years old? Like when you got to be close to 20, would you be upset if your parents got rid of them or, you know, oh, at that point? My, I, my mom actually called recently saying she was going to throw some stuff out. I said, don't you throw out those wrestling figures. <laughs> those are mine. Well, well, fortunately for you, it didn't come to blows. Unfortunately, such was not the case uh, for a father and son in Port St. Lucie, Florida, oh, which no. is Another near. Florida story. I know, which is near uh, Tampa. You always know it's good when the story starts out. A Florida, a Florida man. By the way, there's a great Twitter feed called Florida Man that just feeds stories about Florida man does something crazy. If you don't follow this, I highly recommend it. There's some must follow. Excellent, excellent stories. Uh, so uh, a Florida man's decision. This is uh, from uh, actually a blog that I used to follow when I worked in uh, Jacksonville, Florida, called the Smoking Gun. Uh, Florida man's decision to throw out his 19-year-old son's Lego collection triggered a domestic brawl that ended with both combatants behind bars. Cops responded to an 11 o'clock domestic call at a Port St. Lucie house again outside Tampa. Cops encountered uh, a man and his son, Nicholas Sr. and Nicholas Jr., uh, who had been arguing uh, arguing over the fact that the dad decided to throw out his son's Legos. That's terrible. And the dispute turned physical. Uh, so they started shoving one another. They started punching one another. Uh, the younger, uh, the, the younger, his son apparently discovered, yes, that his Legos had been trashed upon returning to his family's home from his current residence in Jupiter, uh, on the other side of Florida. And, uh, they were, so they were both, uh, They both decided that they want to pursue criminal charges against one another. Of course. course. (laughs) So they both ended up in jail because it's Florida. Unbelievable. So moral of the story is, is, I think, as Tony uh, kind of mentioned, you should probably call... Your uh, call your kids before you throw something out because uh, don't do like what my mom did. I had this old it was and it wasn't it wasn't a toy but it was a T-shirt that I was very fond of. <laughs> it was uh, I, I wore it to bed. It was like so worn in. It was very soft. It was uh, it was a Far Side. It had a Far Side comic. Oh, you know Gary I love Larson. Those. Yeah. Uh, and it I actually have a coffee mug that still has this. It's it's uh, said Boneless Chicken Ranch on the front, and it was just a bunch of chickens. You know, just like lying around without <laughs> bones, just around a farm, and it, it was great. I loved it. I I, I have. A coffee mug now with this comic on it my sister got me in memory of this shirt but i put it into the wash one day when i was like 13 or 14 and it never came out and my mom to this day will tell you that it you know i i don't know what happened to it i never saw it in that load but i am convinced i'm convinced that she got a hold of it and threw it out because she hated that t-shirt and she always wanted it in the trash and she hated when i wore it and it was kind of dirty and covered in paint stains and it was old but Damn it, it was soft and I loved it. So call your kids before you throw their shit out or maybe get rid of it in the wash. Sorry, Mom, you know I love you, but I still hold you accountable to that for this day. Call your damn kids. Week four in the books, and the Rams are three and one atop the NFC West. We are the Left Coasters. Thank you for uh, being here with us, Tony Cavallo. I'm Matt D'Angelo-Antonio. Uh, missing our uh, our other co-host, Brian Balzarini, this week. He will be back to join us next week. Uh, but yeah, we got a great win this week against a very good Cardinals team that I honestly did not believe that they were going to be able to beat. But 17-13 is your final uh, from the University of Phoenix Stadium in uh, in Arizona. Case Keenum, 18 
17 of 30 for 266 yards and two touchdowns. Didn't throw any picks. He got sacked twice. Uh, but uh, oh, at the end of the day, a quarterback rating of 111.3. Not too shabby. That's all you can ask for. Not him. too shabby at all. Todd Gurley still had a really tough time getting started. 19 carries for 33 yards. That's on averaging under two yards a carry. And he only ran for a, a long... A Case Keenum had a longer run than him last week. Case Keenum ran for 13. Todd Gurley's long of the day uh, was five. Uh, Receiving-wise, Kenny Britt led the way. Four catches for 82 yards. Brian Quick, though, getting it on the, done on the, on the board for the Rams. Two catches, 69 yards, and two touchdowns. Both of the team's touchdowns uh, on Sunday. They had three uh, sacks total as a team. It, it was a good showing. It was a really good showing, I think, uh, from, from the Rams' defense. So you moved to three and one. Tony, uh, what did you like that you saw this week, I guess? What, what were you? What were some of the things that, that sort of stuck out to you that they did well this week that maybe they haven't done in past weeks? The biggest thing that stuck out to me was that defensive secondary. Uh, the fact that they made Carson Palmer go through all of his progressions before he could release the ball. They had three picks on the day. Mark Barron had one. McDonald had one. TJ McDonald. My goodness, he might have been in on every tackle. The stat sheet didn't show up, but he was disruptive in every facet of the game, and that secondary really held it all together. And Kenny Britt and Brian Quick both had yardage, but they both made really big catches coming down the stretch in that game. Third down catches, long catches where uh, Case Keenum fed it in there, not into an open hole, but Brian Quick and Kenny Britt both went up and got the ball while they were being pressured, while they had people all over them and came down with it. That's what you need your number one wide receiver to do. Tavon Austin, not doing everything he needs to be, but he's not going to be that boundary receiver where you throw it up and hope he makes a play. Kenny Britt's that guy, and Kenny Britt's showing that he can do it still. Tavon Austin's been starting to do it on special teams, though. He didn't have a touchdown last week, but he did run a punt back for 47 yards. And I know I had said a couple of weeks ago that I was a little concerned about the fact that he needs to be more of a return guy. I know I've been harping on him all year for the fact that we're paying him $42 million and that he's you know not putting up wide receiver one numbers. But... They're starting to be cohesive as a unit, they each side like of the ball. Gelling. That defense especially has really looked like they're gelling. Arizona had trouble doing everything. That uh, David Johnson did not have a very good game. He had nowhere to run. The fact that you made David Johnson's day difficult, he did put up numbers in the end, but he did not have the holes he normally has to run through. There was a lot of times we had to break a few tackles before he could get past the line of scrimmage, and that's what you need to do with that defensive line. And again, that secondary made life tough on Carson Palmer. He had a lot of trouble getting to his mans like Larry Fitzgerald and Michael Floyd. John Brown did have a great game, but when John Brown's... I'm allowing John Brown to beat me. You know what I mean? When that team is full of that many playmakers, I'll let John Brown catch as many balls as he did because the other guys aren't doing shit. That's the defense that needs to be able to gel and win them games, and that game proved it to hold Arizona, which is... Yes, a 1-3 and three team, but a team that's much better than 1-3. and three. To hold Arizona to 13 points, that's a big victory in Arizona. The fact that this team sits at 3-1 and one at the top of the NFC West, has beaten Seattle, has beaten Arizona, that's huge. Never would I thought we would be here. This team is starting to come together. What do you think is uh, making you a fan of this team right now? The defense. And especially, at least this past week, you know, that secondary, TJ McDonald, Mark Barron, those guys are, those guys are what's doing it for me right now. Um, I mean, you know, and I've seen Case Keenum improve every week to the point where I even considered picking him up on my fantasy team (laughs) as a quarterback to step in for Marcus Mariota, who's just been sucking dirty pond water all year long. (laughs) But 
I mean, the defense is is really starting to sell me on this. I I, I think that they can shut down some of the best receivers in the league. I think they oh, showed sure. that last week uh, when because they shut down Larry Fitzgerald because they shut down Michael Floyd. Uh, and even though John Brown had 144 yards receiving, he didn't catch any touchdowns. That's the thing. And they were able to and and on the running side of things, they were able to keep David Johnson out of the end zone. They were able to keep him from ripping off any huge runs. So I mean, I think it goes back to you know we we thought this. Defense defense would be good and yeah they gave up 28 points in the first week but they've been getting progressively better and they're playing in a division that is not that great I see that this is rife with opportunity for the Rams if they can continue to play smart football to stay at the top of that division now speaking of improving every week dangles what do you think uh, they should look to improve upon from these past four weeks what do you think is the biggest like what do you think is the biggest room for improvement? I'm glad you asked, Tony. <laughs> I'm so very glad that you asked. The biggest room for improvement for me, without question, is the offensive line. And by and by extension, uh, Todd Gurley. Yeah, uh, I, I would. Yeah, I, I stumbled across an article, and I, I can't. I can't. I wish that I could say that I did this reporting and that that I wrote all this, but I did not. It was a dead spin article. But I think it just kind of sums up how things are going this year. Gurley, Gurley, as I said, had 19 carries for 33 yards against the Cardinals on That's Sunday. That's terrible. That's terrible. His season total is 216 yards on 82 carries. Oh He's goodness. averaging 2.8 yards per rush. His longest rush of the season, 16 yards. That's terrible. That's 16 yards. Terrible. This is a rookie of the year last year, rushed for over 1,000 yards with an injury. And he has not. He's averaging two point eight yards, uh, yards a game. That two point eight yards a carry. That's that's unfathomable for a man of that talent. And it's, it can't all be the offensive line either. What I was watching in week four is Gurley just seems to be not seeing the holes that he saw last year. And not to say that the holes are not there. There are always cutback lanes and ways to make improvements and find lanes to run through. He just seems to be running into the backs of his offensive linemen and hoping to churn for those extra yards, and they're just not there. 2.8 yards a carry, that's how you lose football games. 2.8 yards a carry, that's, that's, that's nothing close to what Gurley should be able to perform. It's it's really sad because it's so frustrating to watch him as a running back this year because he gets the ball and you can tell he's looking for places to go but the second the ball's in his hands he's already he's already trying to figure out what the hell to do about the middle linebacker and the right end who've pushed their way past the defensive line and are already in the backfield so you, you can't get away from those guys and I, I was I, what I was I wanted to uh, I saw a great tweet from uh, Scott Barrett who who writes for Pro Football Focus. Um, and he says it doesn't look like you know because some people were saying oh well you know teams are just stacking the box against Todd Gurley and and making it really difficult for him to exploit the gaps and and really you know burst through and and turn on that speed but Barrett tweets it doesn't look like stacked boxes are entirely to blame for Todd Gurley's disappointing start 11 running backs have have faced stacked boxes more often Uh, uh, and this is there's a chart here it says running backs to face uh, 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 11 Less than or five DBs or less on highest percentage of carries. Demarco Murray 
on 66 carries, 88% of the time they have five or uh, oh, have five or more people in the box. Devontae Freeman, 78% of the time, uh, uh, more people in the box. Todd Gurley on 82 carries, just 65% of the time they have more. So they're not. It's not that teams are stacking the box more against Todd Gurley. This has nothing to do with the fact that he's not being able to get around defenses. It has everything to do with the fact that his offensive line is not giving him enough time to make moves. That's amazing, because this is actually what I was going to say that we need to improve on. This is probably leads right into my stat. This is from Jason LaConfort of CBS Sports, one of the best minds in football. Jason LaConfort is very journalism. good, yes. So the Rams have gone three and out on their drives. And for those of you at home that don't know what that means, that means when they get the ball, they have three plays, don't get a first down, and have to punt it right away to the other team. That's pretty much a game defeater when you go three and out. The Rams have gone three and out on 39% of their drives. So 40% of the time when the Rams get the ball, two minutes later they're giving it right back to the offense. Not even a threat to move the ball forward. That's terrible. Based on all the other outcomes that are positive, when you think about the other outcomes of a drive, 40%, almost half of that pie taking up by by third and out, that is a serious efficiency problem that Absolutely. needs to be addressed immediately Absolutely. because we're a quarter of the way through the season. So what, what, did you, what did you then like that made you more of a fan this week uh, of the Rams? It had to be that secondary. The way that secondary stepped up in the defense, the defense, the defense jail. The defense jail, It was yes. unbelievable. The, the way they held uh, Arizona, who's going to be a lights-out offense. They will get it together, Arizona will. And Carson Palmer's show. out this week, man. Drew Stanton's got to step in. I'm interested to see uh, if, if they're going to be able to perform the same, the same way. They, you know, he did fine completing some passes in, in, in backup for Carson last week. But uh, it'll be interesting to see. As for what the Rams face ahead, they, uh, they come back home. To the Coliseum, hopefully wearing those lovely Los Angeles uniforms. If they go back to the St. Louis uniforms this week, I'll be really disappointed. But either way, they bring home the Bills, who just came off of a 16-0 defeat of uh, your Patriots. The New England Patriots, a signature win. Yeah, that was a big win. For Rex Ryan, after coming off of a big win, and actually kind of a trouncing of the Arizona Cardinals the week yeah. before, 33-18. to They come in and they shut out... Uh, uh, the New England Patriots. Granted, it wasn't Buffalo, so it, not quite as impressive if they. And it was a Jacoby Brissett-led Patriots. It was a Jacoby Brissett-led Patriots. Both of these teams are trending upward. What are we uh, looking forward to in this Week Five matchup of the Bills at the LA Rams? I think you're going to see another another defensive uh, showing from the from the Los Angeles Rams. I think that secondary only continues to get better. Um, I think you're going to see T.J. McDonald continue to step up. Uh, I, I think Lamarcus Joyner needs to be a bigger part of of making big hits crossing over the middle uh, just just coverage in general it, you know he got beat a couple of times pretty badly if you go back and watch the game uh they so so if they can i think the secondary is still going to show up i think the defense is going to be is going to be the highlight and i'd i'd really love to say that todd Gurley is finally going to get it going i think this is a bill's defense yes they held the patriots to no points but again a brissette led jacoby brissette led patriots this is a very different offense i think that they're dealing with and brissette they missed a lot of open throws he did miss game. a lot of open throws throws and LeGarrette Blunt as good as he is is not Todd Gurley he doesn't have the explosiveness and the elusiveness no but the thing that the Bills did against the Patriots was they did stack the box against uh, Blunt and they said let Jacoby Brissett beat us I think they're going to do the same thing against the Rams I don't think Case Keenum scares the Buffalo Bills and I think they will pressure the LA Rams to beat them over the top of the defense and the question is whether Case will be able to thread the needle through those defensive backs who are pretty good in Buffalo and see if they can beat a, a, a Tavon Austin or Brian Quick a Kenny Britt down deep. I think uh, uh, Todd Gurley faces a really tough task this week. If he can break a few long against his Buffalo defense, which will 
uh, plan the defense around him, then that, that'll be the game changer. If Todd Gurley can break a few long, then that'll be the game changer. The Rams should win. Otherwise, the defense, I don't like Buffalo's offense. I don't Mm-mm. think they put together at all. I think their offensive line is very bad. Shady McCoy is really good, but he's having a lot of troubles as well. I think the Rams get in their face. I think this is a very low-scoring game. Well, I think so, too. I think I think the offensive line, Richie Incognito and company, get pushed around that Bill's offensive line by Aaron Donald. Richie Incognito will get bullied? I think he might, and I think it would be good for him. Uh, no, I think Aaron Donald and Robert Quinn and Michael Brockers are going to push them around and, and make things really difficult for, uh, what do they call? him T-Mobile. What a stupid nickname, by the I way, like for Tyrod Taylor. I think about? it's fucking awful. I think it fits him perfectly. It's so stupid. T-Mobile. I like who, who else is Who else is named after? Who else, what other who is directly named? Like, okay, Matty Ice is a reference to Natty Ice, but that's not a direct, like, who else is named directly after a giant brand? And a fucking cell phone carrier, no less. I'm sorry. I, I think it's the stupidest nickname in football, but I think I think he's going to have a hard time finding reason, and especially with Sammy Watkins not not there anymore. Sammy Watkins not being there. He was doing nothing this season. He's the only receiving threat that they have. I don't think that's a big loss for them at all. I think that was uh, honestly Robert Woods. Honestly, I think it's better that Sammy Watkins is off the field that they have someone who is fully healthy playing the the position because Sammy Watkins was nothing this year. He shouldn't have been uh, suiting up to begin with. He was nothing this year. Do you think he's ever going to be a receiver? I hope so. I like Sammy Watkins. I hope he succeeds, and I hope he gets healthy. But this year, he was bringing nothing to the team, and I think, honestly, him off the field helps them out. But I will say that this defense should be able to beat up this offense, punch him in the mouth and get in their face and make T-Mobile be T-Mobile and try to run around the defense. Aaron Donald and, and crew should be able to get in their face and get a couple of sacks on T-Mobile. They need to in order to win this game. And Tavon needs to step up as well. He needs to keep doing what he's doing on special teams, see if he can break a few returns, see if he can get Todd Gurley going, make the game easier for Case Keenum, and they should win this game. Rams-Bills, it's uh, one of your 125 games this weekend at the uh, Los Angeles Coliseum. We shall see what happens. Rex versus Jeff. Oh, man. Who comes out on top. about that? So it's two coaching brilliant oh my goodness just two coaching geniuses rex ryan versus jeff fisher god damn it who do you think wins in a game of chess and how long do you think it takes i think rex ryan wins in a game of chess i think rex is is sly enough that he could trick him into like not look or looking away somewhere and then like move a piece you know shift the knight to oh that's checkmate buddy you know hey i'll tell you who i'd rather have a beer with but i honestly don't know who i'd rather have coach my football team they are two meetings of the not so bright minds no and they meet this sunday uh let's go rams i think uh, let's do our picks here i think the rams win i'm going with the rams i'm going with the rams as well i mean despite the fact that the bills are coming off two very Big wins. I think this is a trap game for them. I think they feel a little bit more confident than their team is uh, actually good. And I think that hubris will come back to haunt them this this weekend. And uh, Brian sent in his picks as well. The Rams are one of his picks. We're all for the Rams. All right. Ram it, baby. So before we move on to our picks, we have a few injuries to go through. The first one is Cam Newton is uh, going to be... Most likely out with a concussion at the time that we record this podcast. Cam Newton is a tough, tough man, but him waltzing in on that two-point conversion was only asking for trouble. I think Cam needs to play a little bit smarter when he gets back in the game because uh, he's getting popped in the head quite a bit. 
Yeah, Superman is maybe not so super this year. He took, uh, he's been taking a lot of hits. Um, they sacked, especially during the Vikings game, he got hit 12 times, sacked eight times. You cannot be taking that kind of abuse on a, on a weekly basis and expect to stay healthy. It's healthy. So I agree with you. Uh, Cam needs to play a little bit smarter when he comes back. Hopefully it's not very long that he's out. Uh, in the meantime, Derek Anderson, the quarterback in Carolina. Here's the thing. Anderson looked really good at the end of that Atlanta game. Granted, Atlanta does not have a good defense, but Derek Anderson almost brought them back to be in contention of that game. If it wasn't for Julio's 75-yard catch and score, they were only one touchdown, uh, one score away from tying that game. It's not the first time he's had to step in for a big-name quarterback either. Yeah. He, uh, when he was on Arizona, he had to do the same thing uh, when Carson Palmer. I can't remember the year off the top of my head, but it was two or three years ago where he had to step in for Carson Palmer in relief, and um, he did a serviceable job. He's one. He's a journeyman. I'd call. He's a journeyman quarterback. He yeah. really is. You know, he I can step he's... in and he's confident. He'll throw the ball. He knows how to work the pocket. He's not going to make anything explosive happen. That's going to be on the. That's going to be on the shoulders of the rest of his team. And with yeah. Jonathan Stewart hurt right now, they're they are uh, hurting at running back. Tough um, they need they need to string some wins together if they want to compete in the NFC. That they do. That they do. They're playing like they were the Super Bowl champion, or they're playing like they think they were the Super Bowl champions last year. Yeah. Right now, they're certainly not putting up the numbers of a team that went to the Super Bowl they're last not. year. They got, a, they got a lot of problems, but I think they can fix them. The other injury that we have is Carson Palmer. His team plays Thursday night. He will definitely not be playing. He was out with a concussion uh, thanks to a sack from the LA Rams. And we have Drew Stanton in his stead. And Drew Stanton stinks. He stinks. Yeah. There might not be a worse backup quarterback in the NFL. Um, but two major name quarterbacks out with concussions. It's something you don't want to see. It's there've been some tough injuries for teams this year, um, and uh, I, I'll be interested to see what Drew Stanton does this week. Again, it's going to come down to the wide receivers and David Johnson making his life it's easier. Be all about David it, Johnson. It has to be all about David Johnson. He's going to need to do uh, the large bulk of the running, especially against the 49ers defense that is now without uh, its star player Navarro oh, Bowman. That's the other injury I wanted and, to touch Bowman, on. I should say. That's the other injury I wanted to touch on. Navarro Bowman, man, I, I'm a huge fan of Navarro Bowman, and I, I'm not a really a huge fan of the 49ers I don't like them but Navarro Bowman went down two years ago making one of the biggest plays in a playoff game blowing his knee out at the same time still got the turnover amazing play struggled to come back from that injury last year and this year he seemed to be right back in 100% was making big plays again had a great beginning of the game against those Dallas Cowboys and then ruptures his Achilles Navarro Bowman is still in the prime of his career. I hope he can come back and be 100% again, but that's a huge loss for them. And with those injuries, we move on to our Week 5 picks. And here we go into the Week 5 picks. We are the Left Coasters Podcast. My name is Tony Cavallo, flanked by Matthew D'Angelo Antonio. Hey. Our boy Brian Balzarini is not here today. He usually leads this section, but I'll be doing it myself. And again, before we move on to the well, We've picks, got his picks, though, right? Oh, we've got we've got picks. Brian's he's, picks. He's here in spirit. He's ready to go. And, we love uh, you, buddy. We'll give you a little. Uh, next week, we'll give you a recap of our season standings. But here's a spoiler alert: I'm winning. And uh, before we move <laughs> on, though, if you want us to talk about anything on these Left Coasters podcasts, please send us an email to the Left Coasters Podcast at gmail dot com. You can also follow us on Instagram at the Left Coasters Podcast. We'll be putting up the quote of the week. We'll be putting up our predictions. We'll be putting up these episodes. Whatever you want to hear about us talk about, please feel free to contact us. We love hearing from our listeners. And uh, if you don't agree with our picks either, you know, screw you. We know what we're doing. <laughs> Um, so here we are with the Left Coasters podcast going through with the week five picks. And we start off with the Thursday night game. The Arizona Cardinals led by Drew Stanton 
uh, head out to San Francisco to face the 49ers. Cardinals at 49ers on Thursday night dangles. What do you I got? think San Francisco wins this game. Really? I think the, I think the Cardinals are, are ripe for another loss. Uh, I mean, if the defense shows up, I think it'll be close. And, and I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I'm 100% confident in this pick. I'm kind of going with just a gut feeling here. But if, the, if, the, if Blaine Gabbert and the uh, Niners can put up 28 points on the Rams defense, I think, I think they can go after a team that they don't, I don't think they have to even score that much to win this game. Because unless David Johnson has himself a day, there's no way Drew Stanton just by himself leads that team. I just don't see it. Prove me wrong, Drew. You don't think that the Cardinals will come back with that fire that they had after they lost to the Patriots and just beat the crap out of this 49ers team? I think I think they're a little bit demoralized right now. I, I think maybe they're inside their own heads. I think they think they are supposed to be better than this. I don't think they like sitting at the bottom of the NFC West. Uh, and and I think I think they thought they would be better than this. I think they thought they should be a three and one or four and zero team at this point. Hopefully Bruce Arians is is not ever going to listen to this podcast, and I'm sure he won't. And he will he will go <laughs> right ahead. That. Bruce, he Bruce will, gets around. He will go right ahead and tell his team to forget about last week and move on to next week. But I think they're a bit demoralized in that locker room. I disagree with you. I think Arizona wins. I don't think Drew Stanton is a very good team. But I don't think 49ers are, are too good themselves. So I think Cardinals wins. And Brian agrees with me. We both take the Cardinals. On a Sunday night with the early slate of games, uh, first one on the board is the Texans at the Vikings. I got to go with uh, Minnesota in this one. There's no nothing for me to believe. I still stick by what I said about Brock Osweiler. He's a dumpster fire of a quarterback. <laughs> that offense is a dumpster fire of an offense. The JJ Watt is now gone for what looks like the season, the season. and could potentially be a career ending a career ending injury. God, it sounds not. like uh, his dad. I, I remember I read an article this past week where they. It interviewed his dad, and he was saying that he was very concerned that this could, you know, we may never see the J.J. Watt that we have come to know, at least not at that level of intensity ever again. That remains to be seen. However, I still don't think that that offense is, is, is really good enough to do much. Brock Osweiler is not very good. He doesn't have too many people to throw to. DeAndre Hopkins has been good, not great. Will Fuller has dropped a lot of passes that he should not be dropping. And Lamar Miller has never really been much more than a milk toast meh running back. So I'm going to go with the Vikings in this one. Their defense is too good. Brian's with you on the Vikings. I'm taking the Texans, my man. Uh, Brock Osweiler had a, a great quote this past two weeks where he said the critiques of his game he finds hilarious, which I find them too because his game has been pretty shitty. And the fact that he can laugh it off means, you know, he's on to the next one. For some reason, I think the Texans are going to beat the Vikings this week. I like Will Fuller a lot. I think he's been getting better every week. That injury sort of derailed the start of his uh, season, but I think this is a man that we'll be talking about rookie of the year by the end of the year. I really do. You guys both um, really like him. I know Brian brought him up specifically last week. Will Fuller the fifth is... Uh, is I thought he was the fourth. I think it's a V. I think it's just a straight V. Either okay. way, I'm a fan of him. And for some reason, I think the Texans, the Vikings are going to show their uh, true colors soon enough. That that offense is not as good as people say it is in the Texans. I, I don't think they're going to lose. I don't think they're going to go undefeated. I just don't think they're going to lose to the Texans. I'm going to go with the Texans just to be uh, on the other side here. The next game is the Bears at the Colts. I will say right now that Brian has the Colts. Dangles? Ouch. Um... Boy, I don't want to pick either. Can I pick neither of them? Can I pick neither team? Can I pick neither team to win? Now, I I think I have to go with Brian on this. Uh, I I think I'm going to go with the Colts. Andrew Luck has has been sort of coming back a little bit. It's not he has he has receiving threats. Dante Moncrief is a good receiver. 
He is. And I like this kid, Philip Dorsett. He, he's a good deep threat, and, and I think Andrew Luck needs that. Moncrief's a decent route runner. He needs a, he needs a burner, though. Uh, their running game is atrocious. Uh, I know this because I picked up Josh Ferguson on my fantasy team. Who? I know, exactly. He's like their fourth <laughs> string running back who they bring in on, on like screen packages. Uh, but I'm going to go I'm going I'm to go with the Colts just because the Bears are so goddamn terrible. Hey, this is why I'm winning this handedly these picks because you guys are both idiots. The Colts just went to uh, to London and lost to a putrid Jacksonville team. The Colts are falling apart. The They're Colts not that are, putrid. The Colts are terrible. And the Jaguars are terrible. And the Colts could not be the Jaguars in F in London. The Bears are going to win this game. And uh, this comes from Chris Saunders, our good friend and Bears fan. He says the Bears are going to be 500 in two weeks because they have the Colts this week and then the Jaguars next week. That's and you know what? I, I want to find a way to prove him wrong. I'd really do. Oh, I'll but pick I'm the with Jaguars him. next week right now. I'm telling I'm, you right I, now the Jaguars are going to beat the Bears. I, I like the Bears this week uh, against the Colts. Not even close. You guys are dumb. Next game is going to be a pretty good game. Uh, Jets at the Steelers. I think the Steelers are going to win this one. My dad texted me uh, uh, this past week, and he said, I think it's time for you to kill the Chiefs. <laughs> and that's who the Steelers <laughs> played last week, and I I agree. I agree, Dad. I think it's time for me to kill the Chiefs. I think that they showed last week just how—I how I liked that you were used the word putrid. That was great. 43-14. to 14. This, this chief suck. Was that friggin' final? I told you this score. at the beginning of the year. The Chiefs stink. That was terrible. The, I don't the know. Chiefs are not a good team. I really period. thought they were gonna. I really thought they were gonna have a year this year. The Steelers win that game. Le'Veon Bell is back. Antonio Brown is and with a vengeance. Is incredible. Le'Veon Bell showed there's no rust there. No, absolutely not. And and the Steelers. The Steelers defense is just gonna. Uh, they're gonna run all over Ryan Fitzpatrick. I I would not be surprised if he throws three interceptions. Brian is with you too with the Steelers. I'm gonna take the Steelers as well. But I will say that the Jets. Uh, if there's a game, their season's starting to fall apart here. There's a team that was supposed to make the playoffs as a wild card team. They're looking at one and four. If they lose this game, they're going to come out hungry. That's this, not a division you want to be one and four in either. No, this, this is a game where the Jets are going to come out hungry. So I, I don't think it's going to be a 43 to 14 score uh, score line in that game. Next game is the Titans at the Dolphins. This game I will be fully fine missing. Yeah, uh, the Titans at the Dolphins. Brian's taking the Titans. Ah, uh, this this is tough, Dangles. What do you think? I'm going with Miami in this one. I have not seen enough out of the Titans offense and the Titans offensive line. Marcus Mariota has spent so much time sitting on his ass this season, picking himself up off the turf, having to peel himself up off the 50 yard line. I just don't have any reason to believe that the, that the, uh, that the Titans are going to have any more luck against Ndama Kung Su and the, the Dolphins front four. Ryan Tannehill is also one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL right now. Uh, he's got nobody to throw to, and the running game is just completely kaput. But the Titans have nothing outside of DeMarco Murray really going for them at all. Dolphins win this one. That's the thing. I, I think it comes down to the running game in this game, and I think the Titans have a better one. The Dolphins, I'm going to go with the Titans myself. Uh, next game is Eagles at the Lions. I think the Lions are going to uh, make make the Eagles look a little silly this week. Are you picking an upset right now? I am picking an upset. Wow. I'm picking I'm picking the wow. Detroit Lions. Detroit just lost to the Bears, and I've been on the Bears. The Bears do stink, though, and the Detroit Lions just lost to the Bears. In Detroit, you, you remember you remember when uh, you remember when Steven Strasburg first came into the major leagues, and the first game that he pitched, he like struck out fourteen guys. It was against Pittsburgh. I remember I was watching this game, yeah. and he was completely unhittable. Eventually, 
major league hitters figure out how to hit even the best of pitchers. And just the same way, eventually, NFL defenses are going to figure out how to make life difficult for Carson Wentz. I'm going to pick the upset. I'm going with the Lions. This one's for you, Balzarini. Uh, Brian takes the Eagles. I'm taking the Eagles as well. The Eagles have had a bye week. One of the stupid early bye weeks that my Packers and Eagles had. Eagles are coming off a bye week, and if there's one man who I know won't be able to prepare for Carson Wentz, it's Jim fucking Caldwell. That man can't prepare for anybody. So I'm out on, uh, on the Eagles. I mean, on the Lions. Stupid. You made me so angry with that bet. Good. All right. Next game is uh, your Patriots, the return. Brady's back, back again against the Cleveland Browns. Oh. Uh, I'm taking the Pats. Brian's taking the Pats. Dangles? I'm taking the Pats, and I do kind of feel bad for Cleveland that they have to be the ones to be on the receiving end of Tom Brady uh, after coming back from... It really is so Cleveland. Cleveland. They're just going to get absolutely trounced. Here's the one thing I will say, though. Uh, The past few years, Brady has started off his season with a few rusty games. It has taken him a while to get going. It'll be interesting to see if that's a Patriots thing or a Brady thing because he's coming in in week five right now. But I think this is closer than people think. I do. I don't think it's a 60-3 to shellacking that everyone's expecting. It's not going to look like a college football game in week two when no. Texas plays like Albaline State. Yeah, I think I think the Browns, I think this would be a lot more competitive than people think. I think if you're a gambling man, I would tease the Browns this week. <clears throat> Alche. And uh, yeah, but I think the Patriots win. All right, the final early game is the Redskins at the Ravens. Baltimore. Baltimore in this one for sure. They continue to to somehow win without being a great team. Terrence West, really? Terrence West, yeah. Terrence he's West now the running back. Really, he's the running back because uh, because Justin Forsett is gone. So it's him and Javorius Allen in that backfield. I'm going to go with the Ravens though. Yeah, uh, both these teams, even though the Ravens have a much better record than the Redskins, I think both these teams are not really too good. Uh, it'll be interesting to see who wins this because. They both need a win to see if they're going to be in a real deal playoff team. I do think the Ravens pull it out, as does Brian, simply because they're at home. And we're on to the afternoon games. The first one is going to be a real good game. And this is going to be a test for this team that just lit up the world last year because they're playing a real deal defense. Uh, we have the Falcons at the Broncos. This this might be the game of the week. Yeah, it may be, but I think the Broncos win it. You do? I do. Yeah, I think the defense. I think the defense stays strong. The Falcons' offense does this every year, where they go and they put up 40, 50 points in a game. They did it last year against Tampa Bay. They won like. 46 to 14 they just went absolutely off uh on like a monday night game they do it every year um and and i think they'll you know they'll probably put up some big yards but it's going to be a matter of getting into the end zone and they just outside of last week they've they've struggled to do that this year uh i think uh, i think denver wins i think trevor simeon looks good again i think emmanuel sanders catches a touchdown and demarius probably will grab one too uh, Brian's with you on the Broncos. I'm not sure if Trevor Simeon plays. I hope America's favorite weed deal of Paxton Lynch plays. And either way, I think the Falcons win this game. I think the Falcons are the real deal team. And I think the Falcons are going to put up a solid number against the Broncos. But then again, it is in mile high. And that, that stadium seems to change how teams work, especially fast teams like the Falcons. We'll have to see if Devonta Freeman and... Uh, uh, Tevin Coleman. Yeah, we'll have to see if Devonta Freeman and Tevin Coleman can get up going against that defense because if you have Matty Ice throw for 50 times, he's going to get sacked 10 of those times. 
Next game is the Bengals at the Cowboys. Another good one. I'm going to pick Cincinnati in this one. Uh, wow. I think uh, I think wow. not only that, but I think that you might even see Dak Prescott throw his first interception this game. Is, is, isn't it a show to to say that we've been five now five games into the season, Dak Prescott has yet to throw an interception. That's a pretty, pretty solid sign for the Cowboys. As has Carson Wentz has yet to, to throw an interception. Dak has one more game. But still, that's a pretty solid sign for Dak. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. And and I think maybe one of the le- least or lesser scrutinized quarterbacks out of out of the young rookies because he really wasn't supposed to play. Obviously the the injury to Tony Romo as most injuries to major players are, it was unexpected. And uh you know, but he's really come out and he's just he's been consistent. He's won games, he throws touchdowns, he puts his team in the lead when he needs to. I think the Bengals defense this week is really going to uh push him to the limit and put him to the test and see how good he really is. They're going to put pressure on him. They're going to make him roll out of the pocket and uh we'll see if he can really throw the ball and be as accurate as he has been so far i'm a big fan of the cowboys in this game i'm a big fan of uh ezekiel elliott he's shown that he is the real deal uh worth the pick that they spent on him i think the cowboys sneak this game out even though the bengals are the best defense they've faced all season i think Dak's real good and i think ezekiel runs over the bengals um and uh brian however is picking the bengals uh, on to the last afternoon game, other than the Bills at the Rams, which we'll all be watching as Left Coasters fans. We have the Chargers at the Raiders in the battle of who leaves California. <laughs> the Chargers are one and three. The Raiders are three and one. I'm going to go with the Raiders in this one. Yeah. I, uh, I I like Oakland here. Derek Carr and uh, and company will walk out of here with a win. Philip Rivers just he doesn't have enough to work with down there, and that defense isn't great. So no. I'm I'm going to go with the Raiders. Yeah, I think they've lost too many heartbreakers. The Chargers, whether it was the Allen injury, the Woodhead injury, the way they've lost these games, they literally fumbled the game away to the New Orleans Saints yep. twice. Like uh, unbelievable way to lose these games. I think the Raiders win. They're uh, favored the by three and a half. Yeah, I think the Raiders win, as do Brian. As does Brian. On to Sunday night. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. We are sitting here with my game. Mm. The New York football giants at the Green Bay Packers, fresh off the bye. We'll tell you right now, Bry Guy took the Packers. Dangles? Well, the uh, Packers are favored by a touchdown, and I think that makes sense. Uh, the line, I'm going to go with the line here. I'll take the Packers by a touchdown as well. Aaron Rodgers and company come off their bye week, refreshed, ready to go against the Giants team, who I think the past two weeks we've shown, I don't think the first two weeks were a good example of, of who the Giants really are. I think last week's game against Minnesota was a real show of who the team is against, uh, who they who who they really are when they play a team that can actually make them play. Eli Manning looked lost that entire game, and I have no reason to believe that the Packers' defense is going to be any any nicer to him. I think they win by at least a touch, touchdown. I'll take the line. Yeah, it's a uh, Giants are an up and down team that cannot run the ball and doesn't have a good defense, nor does it have good special teams. They're not built to win football games. The sad thing is, though, I don't know how good this Packers team is. They beat up on the Lions, and they beat up on the Jaguars. Those are two of the worst five teams in the NFL. And they lost to Minnesota, which has proven to be one of the best teams in the NFL. Where do the Packers lie? Are they nearer the top or are they nearer the bottom? We don't know yet. And this Giants game is going to be I don't think that. even they know the answer uh, to that yet. Exactly. I have no idea if they know yet. And coming off the bye, I hate having an early bye, but this is a game that's going to prove you need to win this game if you want to make the playoffs. 
Well, and they need to stay healthy and strong for the rest of the season, too, because the bye week is now gone. You don't have another week in week 10 to to recuperate or, you know, if you're if you're hurting to, to get better. He, he They got to stay healthy, every single one of them. Yeah. So All this, 52. This is a big game. It's also a game I'm, uh, I'm a little nervous about because the Giants wide receiving core is much better than my cornerbacks. And it's going to be a high scoring game. Take the over. But I'm going to take the Packers as well. And then on Monday night, we have the Buccaneers at the Panthers. An extra day of rest to see if Cam Newton makes it, but we're I'm, I'm picking this game as if Derek Anderson's going to start. What do you think, Dangles? Buccaneers I'm, at Panthers. I'm picking the game as if Derek Anderson's going to start, and I'm picking uh, Tampa Bay. Okay. They've scored a lot of points over the last couple of weeks. They've just been against teams that have scored more than them. Uh, I'm going to go with the Buccaneers. I think Jameis Winston will come out and have himself a day, uh, and the Panthers are just not – they're just I, – I don't know. I mean, that defense, I, I thought they would be untouchable again this year just the way that they looked at last year, but I've, I've been kind of disappointed. i got to be honest. I'm going to pick the Bucs. I've been disappointed in the Buccaneers and the Panthers. Both these teams have not shown what they are capable of. But I think the Panthers come out with that what the F's going on fire in this Monday night game. Monday night, prime time, pressure's on. Brian's going with the Panthers. I'm going with the Panthers. I think the Panthers come out and punch Tampa Bay in the mouth. And those are our picks for week five. Another another week in the books, Dangle. Already? Are we already a quarter of the way through the season? It's this crazy, is incredible, isn't it? And I barely know like anything about started. these Rams. I know, I know, and we, I, 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 I am still, I'm still, in, uh, just my my clothing, my closing thought on the Rams this week is I'm still, I didn't expect at this point to be like a full fledged fan, you know, but. But I'm not I'm not sold on the team just yet. I'm oh, still yeah. I'm still I'm still they still feel very foreign to me. Oh yeah. Like I still feel more of a camaraderie with, with the Jaguars. And again, you know, they're a team that I covered professionally and that, you know, that stink terribly, but I think it's going to just. I think. I think it's a. I think it's a function of time. I think we just need more time to get to know who these these players are and and see how they really perform against some 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 solid teams. They showed they could win last week against a premier NFC team and a division rival. So, you know, I'm getting there, but I'm, getting it's still there. a work in progress. I think LA is getting there too. I think more and more people are getting interested in this Los Angeles Rams team. Those left coasters listeners out there should be hanging with us as well. These Rams are three and one. We'll see if they'll be four and one. They got three winnable games coming up. This is a big stretch for them. This is a big stretch. We didn't stretch. go over this earlier, but I'm going to say it right now, even though it's at the end. These next three games are home against the Bills, at Detroit, and then in London against the New York Football Giants. If they do any worse than two and one in that stretch, it, it is a failure. That's a big trouble. That is a failure. They need to go two and one. Uh, at uh, least. Absolutely. This, Win in London would be great. At the thing, though, if they do go two and one, looking at six and two. Go LA. Poised to do some big things. Hey, don't forget, uh, if you have questions for us next week, uh, Brian will be back. We'll be happy to answer them. Uh, the Left Coasters podcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram. Uh, you can check out our quotes of the week and and uh, uh, all of that good stuff. Brian, by the way, designs all the graphics that we do. The They're graphic wonderful. the graphic that we have on our iTunes subscribe uh, uh, thing, Brian designed that by hand, put some uh, serious time into that. So, um, we designed it by mouse. Yeah, no, by, ma- by mouse. But Still, by mouth, but impressive. still, it's an original graphic. Brian does a great job with those, so um, he'll be back to join us next week. We'll go over uh, our picks and see where each of us are at this point. Uh, Tony, no, or Tony says that he's winning. We'll see if that's still the case after Absolutely. this coming week. And and that's the left coasters. That's the show. Baby. That's the show. We'll see you next week. As ram always, it. Ram it.
Have you ever wanted to know how to win a Formula One Grand Prix? I mean, really know. Know about the driver tactics from the cockpit, the strategy calls from the pit wall, and even the mind games in the paddock. There's a lot more that goes into winning a Grand Prix than just 90 minutes of racing. So every week on the F1 Strategy Report, we're taking a deep dive into the decisions that shape every result. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato, and every week I'm joined by an expert guest from the paddock to talk through the big calls that won the race and the missteps that resulted in bitter defeat. Before every race, we'll look back at the previous year's result and consult the current form guide, and we'll be in your feed after every Grand Prix dissecting the the outcome and what it means for the championship. So for your regular hit of Formula One analysis, subscribe to the F1 Strategy Report wherever you get your favourite podcasts. The Strategy Report is a beer mogul podcast on the Evergreen Podcasts Network. My name's Michael Laminato and I'll catch you after the chequered flag.